0: All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's book of the day show. I have a uh, amazing guest. Everyone going to be excited by this one. I've got Tim Grover here. Uh, if you've been following my stuff recently, I've been talking a lot about uh, Tim and his book Relentless. He's written multiple books. His, he has multiple claim to fames too, but uh, I don't think you could get any better one than on the back of his book, Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player of all time, says, I consider Tim Grover to be second to none in his knowledge of sports training, and he was an invaluable part of my training program. Now, if any of you know anything about Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan is not a big complimenter. So if you get a compliment from Michael Jordan, it's straight up legit. And then you got Kobe Bryant on the front front of the book saying, Tim Grover knows more about the mental side of sports, knows more than anyone. So Tim, thanks for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having
0: me. It's an honor. Well, the honor's all mine. And uh, since 1989, uh, he's been the CEO of his company, uh, Attack Athletics, and he's trained over 300 pro athletes. So in this book, I like to just jump right into the best part, eat the dessert first, so to speak. Quick question here. Top three. This is, this is, not, this is just for fun. Top three pro basketball players of all time, in your opinion? Obviously, this is open for who? who do you, who's the greatest of all time?
1: Oh, Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time.
0: No, is anyone even close? No.
1: <laughs> so close. Yeah, this is why I always tell. This is this, this is why I, this is why I always tell tell people. Okay, he's six for six. Right in championship series, and never needed a game seven.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Always elevated his game when needed, and walked away from the game for a year and a half, two years, came back, and still showed you that he was the best at what he did.
0: Who's number two?
1: How many individuals, how many individuals you know can walk away for something for that long period of time, and come back and and, and return, return at the top? Yeah.
0: Not, nobody, nobody, nobody's like Jordan. That, but is there? Who's the next closest? If you had to name somebody, who's number two?
1: Well, see, I also, you know what? When we talk about, you're talking about basketball players. Basketball. I only, I also look to see what they've done after, after basketball, but they're still involved in the sport. My number my number 2 guy would probably be Larry Bird.
0: Okay, Larry Bird. Okay. Why Larry, okay, Bird?
1: Larry Bird? Larry Bird won multiple championships. Okay. Um has been extremely successful as a coach, extremely successful as a as a general as a general manager his personality and Michael's personalities were a lot alike. Yeah. you know we talk again about this in the book, and this is one of my favorite things. Both of them, everyone, Michael called Larry the biggest trash talker out there, and Larry called Michael the biggest trash talker out there. <laughs> but the one thing that but the one thing they both did is when they talked trash, they talked trash not to elevate the other individual's game. They talk trash to elevate their own game. Because if they said they're going to do something to you, now it's like, okay, now I have to go out. I've, I've put more pressure on myself. And remember, pressure is a privilege. Not every individual in life gets to be put into a pressure situation. Most people run from it. If you get that opportunity, and this is a lesson for everybody out there, if you're chosen to be put in a pressure situation it's one of the biggest compliments anybody can ever give you hmm. don't let that don't let that person down because you may never get a chance to be put in that situation again if you're not successful the, fir- the first time
0: so who's the number 3 um, we have a number
1: 3 number number 3 um you know, I'm kind of going with the same. Uh, it, you know, I'm going with my gener- my generation individuals. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, what, you know what Will Chamberlain did and, and rebounding and you know, scoring, uh, uh, rebounds and scoring and all these different things. But he only got, he only got, to, he only got the team to the promised land. One, one I think, one time. Yeah. The, the other individual, I would have to say, you know, when you talk about. When you talk about team sports, you have to have individuals that not only they're successful individually, but they brought success to their to their team. Uh, So I would probably my third one would probably be Magic Johnson. Yeah, you know, again, Urban Johnson, uh, multiple championships with the Lakers, MVP. uh, uh, Obviously, went through uh, one of the most well-known health issues. And has now taken his entrepreneurial skills, where you know he he, he you know he's he owns the uh, the uh, WNBA. I think is it is at the LA Sparks. Excuse me if I got that wrong. He's the owner of the Dodgers. Uh, he's got multiple uh, uh, ventures going off, off uh, you know outside of ba- outside of basketball, but uh, you know all that stems from the from the success that he had on on the court. You know, now, yet nowadays, you have individuals, they're so worried about building their brand, okay? <laughs> you, you don't have a brand to build, okay? Yeah. Uh, you know, these people, you know, Magic, Larry, Michael, they concentrated on basketball. Their brand was basketball. Once they built that basketball brand, all the other stuff took care, took care of it, took care of it, uh, itself, Okay, Michael would have never sold shoes and sold, um, you know, sportswear the way he's selling it if he didn't perform the way he did on the bat, on the basketball court. Larry Burr would have never been asked to coach a basketball team if individuals, uh, didn't know that how he could raise the, uh, talent level physically and mentally of the people around him. Not, and how he how he can identify how he can identify talent, you know, Magic. The people in, in different sports want him in their in their sporting venues because he showed that he could elevate teams, uh, take them to the championship level over and over again. So those are different traits that were all shown in basketball that allowed him to build a brand outside of basketball. You need to take Mm -hmm. care of number one priority first before you can worry about, quote-unquote, building a brand.
0: You know, the concept that you talk about is that there's different levels that people have, uh, whether it's pro athletes or you see this in business people and people. Can you just kind of give your quick synopsis of what these three levels are and what somebody like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant was?
1: Well, you know, we... Everyone tries to figure out how to put diff, uh, people in different categories. You know, everyone always thinks that they're always on the top or they're they're in the uh, they're in the elite group. But there's a lot of other people that are below them that function in different ways that try to make things try to make things happen. So what we did was we uh, broke it up into three C's. I like to call them, which is a cooler. A closer and a cleaner and no matter where you are whether you're in sports work whatever you do there's these three different individuals that are in a company that make things run the way they're supposed to run a cooler is an individual who you give an assignment or a job to do and they're going to deliver the end result that you ask for they're not going to give you anything exceptional not going to give you anything extraordinary. you tell them to do something, they're going to deliver you exactly what you tell them, what you tell them to do. You know what their limitations are. You know what they're capable of doing, you know what they're not capable of doing. The next level is what we have is closers. Closers are individuals who can get you that end result as long as there's not that many variables thrown at them. So you give them a job to do. You don't have to give them a whole lot of instruction. And as long as they have a plan to follow and not too many variables are thrown at them, they're going to be able to deliver you that end result that you desire, whether it's finishing a project, closing a deal, or so forth. But to me, that was, when I was training Michael and working with him, I said, there's always another level above a closer. Everyone else kept calling him a closer. And I was like, no, he's more than a closer because no matter what was thrown at him, what variable, what roadblock, he always delivered that end result. So to me, I had to come up with a term for that, and I came up with a term as a cleaner. So a cleaner is an individual that no matter what's thrown at them, whether you give them a script, you don't give them a script, you just tell them this is the end result I need, they go out and get you that end result almost every single time. And a lot of times you can ask them how they got it, and they'll tell you, don't ask, but I got you the result that you're looking for. They are so in tune with their instincts and the ability not to think, okay? And people always tell individuals, well, you're thinking too much. Well, the problem is most people don't have the ability not to think because they've not been trained not to be able to do that. You have to be so well trained in your work, in your job, in your craft, in your skill, that it's no longer a reaction. It becomes a reflex. So when you can do things without thinking about them and handle certain situations, that's when a reaction becomes a reflex, and that's when you become a cleaner.
0: So Michael Jordan is at this highest level. He's a cleaner. He was a cleaner, is a cleaner. Uh, And it was, what you're saying is, you know, there's people, and, and I see this as a business person, you hire somebody new. You've got somebody who always does a decent job. They do their job. They come in at 9, they leave at 6.01 at the end of the day, then you have, you know, and they never make a lot of money working for you. They make a decent wage and they go about their lives without, you know, they don't have a ton of passion. And, then you're... And, and
1: exactly. Exactly. And they're very happy with that you know there's not for those people there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that okay they don't want to deal with the added stress They, they they're very they're very comfortable being comfortable
0: yeah and then that next level you say lebron james uh at least at some point in his career was more of a closer meaning but but it's interesting i was i was uh I recommend people buy the book, but also your the, your book is available. I was listening to it today as an audio book. I bought it on iTunes and listened in Audible. And you were talking about how, in some ways, being a closer is a not a compliment because what you're saying to somebody without meaning to insult them is you only perform uh, when it's needed at the very end. And what Michael Jordan did is he lived high-level performance at the first minute of the game, you know, right after halftime, and at the end of the fourth quarter, and that's the ultimate, is to live in that zone. Now, question, because this is an interesting book. Your book is, um, what I liked about it, it's not full of cliches, so if you're going out and buying this book, uh, you will notice that it's a little controversial, which I like. I'm a controversial guy for whatever reason, uh, and you say that all cleaners, the people at the highest level, have a dark side, and you encourage them to embrace the dark side as long as it's you know legal and ethical and stuff like that. But you said you've never met a high-level person cleaner that doesn't have a dark side. Can you talk about this dark side?
1: Everybody has, everybody I know, every person that's successful, who's ultra-competitive, or even an individual who's not that successful, they have to deal with what I call the dark side. You know, everyone knows a story about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? Okay? You know, Dr. Jekyll lived in, uh, lived in the light. Dr. Hyde, uh, you know, Mr. Hyde was a gentleman that kind of was in the, in the dark. And you have, you know, you have Clark Kent, you have Super, you have Superman, uh, you know, there's Batman. All these individuals are people that are related to what I call the what I call the dark side. Okay, the dark side is not a bad thing. It's not about vampires and you know Frankenstein and stuff like that. Dark side is something about that only you can touch and only you can feel. And then it's about your, it's about your, it's about yourself. Okay. Now you see individuals who a lot of times they tap into their dark side and it gets out of control, and that's when bad things, that's when bad things start to happen. But if you can harness that energy and you can harness that force, that it, where it's about you, it's a driving power inside you that only you can control, and you know how to unleash it and how to pull back on it. Those are the individuals that continue to strive and continue to improve. It's what, it's what takes you to the next level and beyond and continue. It's what makes you never satisfied with that end result, always craving more. It's that black hole inside of you that can never be filled no matter what you've accomplished. You could, you could, you could do a job so well, okay, but in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, "Man, I could have, I could have done it better." Or as soon as that job is done, you're already thinking about what's, what's next. That it's that ultimate desire and craving that you have that I cannot be satisfied.
0: Yeah, you talk about, you know, that for different people, it's different things. You see these scandals. Tiger Woods, it was, you know, multiple women that he was dating while he was married. It, Michael Jordan had his fair share of you know, allegations about gambling, and, and you said, hey, oh, Charles Barkley, who's one of the people that you trained, uh, you have that great story. I, I love, <laughs> it's a funny part of your book, uh, good funny, where you say, I don't know that I liked Tiger Woods publicly apologizing. He, it was between him and his wife, he could have apologized to his wife and left it at that. And you, and you talk about when Charles Barkley went to court because he threw a man through a plate glass window uh, because the guy threw a drink on him. He went to court and the judge found him innocent. And the judge said, is there anything you learned from this? And Charles Barkley said, yeah, I should have gone up, dragged him up to the third floor and thrown him out the third floor window and finished the job. And you were like, I like that. And that's that's that dark side. And, you know, if you, from a scientific standpoint, I, I say that uh, guys like Dr. David Buss, who's an evolutionary psychologist that I love his his work, he says... If you look at the things that motivate people i've kind of summarized them as the four m's so the first m is uh you know material things there's people motivated by making a ton of money then there's people mating is the second one so that's that sexual drive that that people have and the third one is uh uh this mastery slash status like People want to be known as the greatest in what they do, and that's intrinsic in in most people. And then lastly, it's momentum. People get bored, and so they're always pushing for... Steven Schwartzman, who's one of the richest men in the world and the co-founder of Blackstone, the uh, large private equity company, he says... Somebody asked him what the purpose of his life, and he said, well, you know... I'm kind of like a bird that's going up against a glass window. Every time I hit the glass window, I get a little rush, so I got to keep doing new things. And he said, hopefully I can do things that are good for society, but also give me that personal rush. And I think personally, and I want to get your opinion on this, that the way I look at my life, uh, and I really liked reading this, is is that I live 50% of my life for uh, the world and the the good of mankind, but fifty percent. I think it's okay to have selfish motivations. These four M's. What's your take on that?
1: You know, that's, you, you, I could not have said it any better myself. You know, everyone's always talking about, you know, you need to do for others, you need to give back, you need to do this. Well, here's, here's my issue with that if you can't take care of yourself and you can't uh, and you can't do for yourself you don't have stuff to do for uh, you can't do stuff for others all right so you, you gotta take you got to be able to take care of yourself make some time for make some time for you you got to be a little bit a little bit selfish okay you got to be a li- you got to be a little bit greedy you have to take it to the point where you're it's not hurting individuals but you got to be able to take care of yourself first if you want to be able to take care of others if you spend all your time taking care of others you're never going to be able to uh, fully enjoy what you've been put on this earth for and there's no reset here. You got one life. You can only live it once. You can't cut. You're not, as far as I know, you're not coming back to get out, uh, to try it again. All uh, right. So you have to take care. Part of it has to be about self. It's about you. It's about what you enjoy, what you want. And if you can satisfy those things, then it gives you the ability to take what you have and what you've earned and what you desired, and if you decide, Gives you the ability to share that with under, uh, other individuals, whether you want it to be known publicly, privately, that becomes your your, deci- your decision, and that's the key word in there. It becomes your decision what you want to do with that. Yeah, and
0: you see the, I mean, you see the dark side, it, and it's funny how humans are. You know, I'm not very religious, but one of my great one of my the great lessons I've learned from um, uh, the the there's the story of Jesus Christ where he was, he was brought out to a crowd, and they were about to stone a woman, and uh, they said to Jesus, all the religious leaders, he said, why are you going to throw stones and kill this woman? And they said, well, we caught her in adultery, and, and the, the Jewish law says a woman caught in adultery should be killed, stoned. What do you think we should do? That's what they asked Jesus. And Jesus said, well, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, well, I think the one person here, who has no sin, you could replace the word dark side, in their life, you throw the stone first. And nobody could throw, <laughs> because we all have dark sides. You see people make allegations to Bill Gates. Okay, he was a uh, hyper-competitive person. Paul Allen, who is the was the business and co-founder, uh, business partner and co-founder of Microsoft said, he's only met two people that are ultimate competitors in his life, Michael Jordan and Bill Gates. And so he has allegate Warren Buffett, you know, he had a little controversy with his wife. He had another, he had kind of two women that he dated and he admits. And and so the, my thing to people is, if you're looking for saints to be mentors, even Mother Teresa has all these allegations. There was a book written by Christopher Hitchens about how she wasn't perfect. I'm like, is this a revelation? <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi, is this a Martin Luther King Jr.? Of course, what are you looking for? You're never going to find role models because... And I think your book gives us insight because role models become role models because they have drive from this dark side. Now let's switch for a second some practical stuff. Not only are you an amazing mental coach but you also understand the physical body. That's how you got in the door I think with Michael Jordan. For somebody watching this who's not a pro athlete, uh, you say some very interesting things that are applicable to everybody but one of them is this kind of, I don't want to put words in your mouth, hatred of sugar. You put people on zero sugar diets where they're, you say they get almost heroin responses where they're like getting drawbacks. So we, tell, tell us about your take on sugar and how it affects not only pro athletes, but everyday people.
1: Well, you know what? They, they've done a lot of studies out there how how the brain, when people are high on sugar, when they're... Uh, and high on other kind of chemicals, drugs, and the effect, the effect, is all, almost the same, all right. But what happens is what sugar does, and it's just like, it, think about it. it. You know, I always like to relate everything to sport, to sports and to business. So, let's say you eat something or you drink something with a lot of with a lot of sugar. So what it does, it spikes your level, it goes up real high, and then you come cra- and then you come crashing down. You, you, you eat more sugar. Like this level up, it comes it comes crashing down. If you're a if you're a player on a team and you had to coach that individual, how would you feel about an individual who for five minutes of the game played extremely well, then for the next five minutes he was terrible, the other five minutes he was great? He, you you wouldn't know how to you wouldn't know how to deal with him. You'd be like, okay, I don't know when he's coming or what's going on. Same thing in a in a business side side. If you had a guy come in one day and he was on the top of his game, the other day he was off his game, then the next day he was off his game, and then he, he, the other day he's on. Those, that's not that becomes very chaotic. It makes it very difficult to live that way. And that's what we that when you take a lot of sugar into the body, that's what it does to your body. It it creates chaotic stuff inside inside of you. So what we do is when we put, when we get an individual, what we want to do is we want to basically clear them out of all sugar that's possible. It's just like, you know, I give an example of, um, you know, people always uh, take a glass and say, okay, is this glass half empty or is this glass half full? And my thing like is, listen, there's something in the glass and if you like it, add more to it. If you don't like what's in the glass, pour it out and start over. Most of the individuals we get, we want them to pour it out. We start all over. So that's what we do. We take all the sugar out of their body. And there's a lot of things that people just don't people don't think about. I mean, there's there's sugar in, in uh, bread. There's sugar in pasta. There's sugar in pasta. There's a lot of sugar in fruit. There's sugar in alcohol. So it, it's, you it's said covered even in a lot of ways. You said even With carrots. a lot, of, right? Yes. Even carrots, a lot of terms, you know, they know how the uh, companies have done a great job of using different terms for for sugar. And what we try to do is we try to to clarify and get that out of everybody's system, so they know how good they can actually feel without having all this toxicity inside of them.
0: So you take these pro athletes, you cut the sugar. What other, I know you have some secret, uh, a secret list that everybody wants, so we won't talk about that here uh, publicly, but what are some of the things, what are your takes on, you know, the Lakers now, or they've switched to a paleo diet uh, where they're eating grass-fed meats and things. I know Michael, I once read Michael Jordan said he had to eat a big steak before he, could, uh, to sustain his energy. There's other people that are, you know, more leaning towards vegetarian and things like, what is your take in, you know, 20, 30 years of experience here with high performance people? What is is there a perfect diet? Is it different for everybody? Are we omnivores? Do we, what's your, what's your opinion?
1: You just said it, you know, I could tell you've done so much reading on this part because you just said a key statement that a lot of people don't get it's different for each individual. All right, there's no set formula for this. All right, so you have to make adjust. You have to make adjustments accordingly. Some people work extremely ve- uh, well on just plant-based uh, protein. Other people have other people. It, it's not good. It's not good for them. You know a lot. Uh, you know again, there are guidelines where you know you don't want to uh, eat excessive amounts of excessive amounts of red meat all right. but you have to get you have to be able to get all your nutrients and your vitamins from a different different rainbow of stuff. So what I always try to tell people, a good general guideline is try to get all the different sources at least in once a week. So try to consume some kind of seafood uh, once a week, try to consume some kind of poultry once a week. Try to consume some type of red meat once a week. Once a week, and I don't recommend it more than that. Uh, more than that, but again, you have to. Your plate has to be has to have a lot of different colors in there. All right, the food cannot always be the same color. You know, the fact you have to have different variety of well, it's different different color of starches, different types of protein and it works different for each individual one thing I found out is for some for some of my highest performing athletes and a lot of them won't admit to this okay Floyd Mayweather Mayweather, who's not a client of mine but he's a big advocate when he comes out he goes listen I'm, (laughs) I'm a pizza burger sugar kind of guy and for the one fight that he did not follow his normal regimen that he's done over the last, I don't know how many years he's been champion. I can't even remember now. I can't remember. It's 17, 18 years now is that's the one fight he didn't feel up to his, up to his normal, uh, you know, self. So again, it changes from person to person and you got to try these different things to find out what works for yourself. Cause what it does, everyone's always telling everyone's searching for the answer. For at some point you got to stop searching for the answer and you got to start doing it and start applying these different methods and see what works for you.
0: Awesome. Now let's talk about physical training. So you go, let's say, you know, you go back to. I think Jordan was drafted in '84. Barkley drafted in '84 It was a great year for professional basketball. He comes in, he breaks his foot after a year or two. Uh, and back then, if I was just watching an old basketball game, 1983, the Sixers versus the Lakers with Moses Malone, these guys were not that muscular because people believed weight training wasn't as important as, as now you see guys, uh, Jordan went from, I think 180, 190 put on, I think that was working with you, went up to 215 pounds at one point of just nice lean muscle. How important for both men and women, uh, is, lifting weights and how often do you think not just pro athletes obviously but somebody listening what do you think is the minimum you need to hit the weights
1: you know resistance training for both men and women is extremely extremely important it's what it what it's what allows you to have Balance, and when I mean balance, I'm not talking about balance in your life. I'm talking about balance as you get older, be, balance from being able to walk off of, walk on and off of a, a sidewalk. It's the strength that allows you to, to stand up and sit down in a chair with just using your legs, not having to use your hands and your legs. It allows you to perform daily activities of taking stuff in and out of, out of your car. You know, women have a tendency to stay. They, they like to stay away from weight training because they're always like, oh, I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too big. All right, trust me, you're you're not, you're not (laughs) going to get too big. There's men that, there's men that have tried for years who have five times the testosterone that women have and they can't, they can't get big as they want to. So it's just, it's when you start lifting, you feel that pump. So a lot of women have a tendency to get to get afraid from that. But you have to do some kind of resistance training. I would recommend it at least two times, two times a week. Now, with resistance training, resistance doesn't mean it has to be a dumbbell, a barbell. It could be your own body weight. It could be, you know, it could be rubber bands, but there has to be some mechanism to overload the muscle in order to keep, in order to keep you healthy. And let's, let's, let's face it. All right. As much as people love to go work out and we talk about, you know, keeping your cholesterol down, keeping your blood pressure under control, um, you know, keeping your heart beating at a nice at a nice comfortable pace. People love to look good. And if you want to look as good as you possibly can, part of your training regimen has to include some form of resistance training.
0: Now, you're a, a big pioneer uh, of kind of this, I'm not sure if you'd call it plyometric, but this, uh, you know, you took Michael Jordan, and you and and from what I've read, and of course you can correct me, you kind of said, look, I can show you how to not get hurt, and it's a testament to your skill that Michael Jordan really never got hurt, even though he was beat up by the Detroit Pistons and everybody, he didn't really get hurt until he was in his 40s, maybe, when he played for the Wizards, but... So you pioneered not just hitting regular weights, but doing things like uh, where you're on these kind of these balls where you have to balance and do squats and things. Can you talk a little bit about this kind of how flexibility needs to be uh, put in, not just rote bench press and squats, but this kind of balance, literally balancing out your knees, working on so that you don't tear your ACL and you don't tear your labrum and things like that. Can you speak on on how you pioneered that
1: well, yeah, it was funny. you know we see all these different methodologies coming out uh, these over these last ten years where people are doing stuff on a balanced ball or a boast ball or uh, unstable uh, unstable trampoline you know I was using those methods back in the back in the eight back in the eighties because if you watch. An athlete, and you watch an everyday individual. Okay, there's not only are there ups and downs in your life, but there's ups and downs in movement. I mean, when do, when was the last time where when you needed to go from point A to point B and you walked, where you were able to walk a perfectly straight line? You had to walk. You had to step off of sidewalks. You had to go around people. Okay, you may have to go under, you may have to go and duck under a thing, you have to step back onto the sidewalk. So all those are different change of directions. All those things require different types of movements and different types of preparation on your muscles, your tendons, and your ligaments. When you watch a pro athlete move, okay, no matter what sport it is, their ability to change direction and to go from from a full speed to a full stop, backward side to side, okay, determines how successful they can move and how well they can uh, perform their job. So when we're doing this type of training, we're incorporating all the stability movements. We're uh, incorporating all the unstability unsti- movements. We're creating change of direction with resistance, without resistance. One thing that happens And it's very prevalent in athletes, and it's also very prevalent among everyday people, but we just don't see it. Everyone has the ability to move forward, okay? But not everyone has the ability to stop. Okay, you'll see people that when they're walking, if they trip, the ones that... Have proper kind of training, have a, have a pretty good workout regimen. They're the ones that have the ability to catch themselves and stand and stand back up. The ones that don't have a tendency to tumble, tumble over and and hit the ground. It's the same thing with an athlete. We we spend so much time now preparing an athlete to be bigger, stronger, faster. Okay, well, if you're bigger, stronger, and faster, okay, if you can do those three things. Uh, you'll be able to. You're able to create more force. Well, guess what? Your body has to be able to be trained and shown how to stop that force. And if it doesn't, that's where the injuries are going to come in.
0: Now you have an awesome, uh, an awesome book. Another book that I bought of yours, an older book that you wrote called Jump Attack, and it's just a training. And what's a great story that I did not know is that you know Michael Jordan came into the league. Uh, when you started work with them, had something like a 38 inch vertical, which is pretty insane. I mean, the average person. Uh, I played basketball at a pretty big school in, in one of the biggest schools in the U.S. in high school. Won a couple state championships in North Carolina at enlow and and uh, so I played around guys that end up in the NBA. Like you know, John Wall was in the league after me and things. And a good vert- or an average person's vertical, let's say, is under 20 inches. Jordan had 38, so he was Correct. already superb. You started him out, he went to something like 42 inches on your training, but then you finally, at his peak, before he went played baseball, you had him at 48 inches, which is literally, that means stiff-legged, he could jump over a four-foot-tall person, which, and then of course, if you lift your legs up, you're, you're looking like five, six feet, and let's talk about jumping, because when you look at a jogger's body, you know it's it's like uh eh, it's okay you look at a sprinter's body that's the body everybody wants in the olympics and but if you look at somebody who can jump it's always uh i saw usain bolt the uh olympic runner i saw him playing basketball i mean the man can dunk like you've never seen so for someone listening uh women all want to have a better butt you, and and men all want to be able to leap and what are some quick tips <laughs> quick tips on how you got Jordan 10 inches. I mean, that's, I read the highest vertical ever is this Cuban guy who's not very tall but he can jump almost 60 inches. So, wow. what's the, uh, what's what's some of the secrets, and of course somebody can go out and get your book Jump Attack, it's a cool book. I, I did, one of my uh, guys that works for me, he's the chief scientist, so he kinda sits a lot. So I was doing your workout, and he couldn't, uh, he was basically dead after one set, and you was like, 20 sets and i was like man you better get in shape (laughs) here so what's some things people could do to to increase for a woman get your butt better for dudes get that power that comes from leaping ability
1: well you know what remember there's two types of fibers in in the body there's slow twitch and fast twitch fibers so when you see marathon runners those are predominantly slow twitch fiber individuals their muscles are built for an activity for an ex- for a very very long period of time then you have the fast twitch fibers which we just which you just talked about are like the Hussein Bolt who can get from point A to point B extremely extremely fast those are fast twitch fibers majority of the individuals have a, a combination of both the percentages vary uh, among person to person so if you could kind of know what you're predominantly have whether it's fast switch or slow twitch and it's not that it's not that difficult to find out you don't need to have to go have a muscle biopsy or anything you just have to you can do either a quick jumping test to see how high you can jump or how fast you can you can run a, a 100, 100 meter dash will kind of tell you well, whether you're predominantly one or the other. Once you know that, then you can kind of figure out how to set your training program around it. But what happens is when you want to, um, when you want to increase your vertical, when you want to jump higher, just think of your body as like an accordion. You know, everything is connected. Your lower body and your upper body is connected. Is connected together. And it's just like a spring. So when you can unload the spring, the farther you can pull the spring apart and let go of it, the more uh, force it's going to it's going to snap with. So what you have to do is you have to train the body, all the different joints, to be able to put force into the ground, jump off and be able to land and be able to create that force again. So you have to have a program that's not only training your, your ankles, that's training your thigh, that's training your butt, your hip, and your core muscles. Now, what I always have a tendency to tell people, everyone when you talk about core, they always point to their abdominal muscles. Technically, your core is all your muscles from below your chest to above your knees, front and back. That's what's, classified as, that's what's classified as the core. So when you talk about core, it's strong abdominals, it's strong obliques, it's strong uh, back muscles, it's strong thigh muscles, it's strong hamstring muscles, it's strong glute muscles. Now what happens is when you get all those muscles working together and working, working simultaneously and knowing how to fire in the correct order, that's when you get that extraordinary leaping ability. And to add add the second part about your question about, you know, the girls always want uh, to want to have a firm and tight butt, you have to go in there and you have to... The butt muscles are extremely difficult muscles to isolate, all right, because when you work them, you have a tendency to work other muscles that surround that area first. So the way I like to... uh, pay attention to those is I like to call what I call pre-exhaustion. You go in, you pre-exhaust those muscles by doing some isolated movements and then go to your compound movement, whether it be your lunges or your squats or your plyo jumps, and this way it causes the fibers in your butt muscles to activate and fire even more, and that'll help the women get their results much quicker. So what's some pre-exhaustion stuff, like jumping rope or something? No pre-exhaustion. It is like doing different types of movements that isolate uh, the butt area. You can you, uh, you can lie down. Um, you can lie down on the, the side. You can lie down on your side and do some, uh, 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 a leg raise. You can do what we call what we call our fire hydrants. Fire hydrants are extreme. It's an exercise you do on all fours where you have a tendency to rotate the hip from uh, from side to side. In in both direct and, and rotate them in both direct in both directions. You know you can do stuff using um, a resistance band. We actually have a band that we offer called a PPT band that allows you to work those partic- to work those particular areas. If you know what you're doing and you know how to do it, then you can get those end results. I always try to use the formula and you know like you look at a can of coke and if you look at the can of uh, Coca-Cola or Pepsi or whatever it may be, okay, they have all the ingredients that are in there. Well, you're not going to be able to go to a grocery store and you can buy all the ingredients and say, okay, now I'm going to make Coke. You may have all the ingredients, but you don't have the formula, okay? If you know what the formula is and you know the formula for getting these results in the gym, okay, then you can get that end result.
0: Now let's talk about things like cardio and working out in general. Now we all know that most people in America, 70% of people are either classed as fat or obese or morbidly obese. So excluding people that don't work out at all, a lot of my listeners are pretty, uh, you know, they're, they're in shape. Let's just go through a couple quick rough ratios. Uh, do you think somebody should, you mentioned two times minimum a week working out with weights, resistance. How much cardio should people be doing do you recommend? Not necessarily a pro athlete, because obviously they're doing three hours, six hours a day. Do you think it's do you just follow like what the government recommends twenty minutes a day, or are you saying get out there, you know, jog, run, play basketball, do it an hour a day? What's kind of a quick rule of thumb for people listening?
1: Well, you know, the quick rule for thumb for individuals is you got you gotta you gotta move. That's what people don't do. Is you got to move. If you don't, if people say you got to get cardiovascular. Running is the best thing to do. Well, if you don't like running, you're not gonna you're not gonna run. If you want to go for a bike ride, you want to go for a, uh, uh, you want to play a game of basketball, but you actually have to go out and make and, and, and make a conscious effort to do it, and it, and you got to exert yourself. You see, so many people when they go to a gym are right, they spend more time. Texting or trying to find the right music on their phone okay then they're actually doing the doing the activity you have all these monitors that you know people come in that they, they measure your distance of how much you walk how many calories you burn I listen, I'm a little bit uh, still old school if you walk if you walk into a gym and you your clothes are dry and after you get done working out they're wet from a workout not from you spilling water on them okay you you you've got You've had a pretty you you've done pretty pretty you've had a pretty successful day in the gym or wherever it may be. But here's the problem. Everyone again tries to follow guidelines. If you haven't worked out in six months, you're not going to go to the gym and say I'm gonna work out four days a week. If it takes you to get in there one day a week and during that week you only get in there for an hour, stay on that plan for two weeks. Then on the third week, add that second day and stay on that plan for another two, three weeks. Then on that, on that uh, fifth, sixth week, try to add another third day. Okay, and if that's too much, then you need to cut back and continue on the two-day-a-week two program. But those two days have to be extremely intense. It's not the amount of time you spend in the gym or, or the time you spend working out. It's what you do in that period of time. There's so many people that try to do resistance training, spend time with resistance training, spend time with stretching, spend time doing cardiovascular, and you end up being in the gym for too long of a period of time that doesn't fit in everybody's busy lifestyle. You can literally get everything you need and get it done and get it done correctly in 45 minutes to an hour, but, again, your focus has to be on that task at hand. It can't be on your emails, it can't be on your cell phone, it can't be worried about this uh, This program on Netflix. You have to go in, focus in on that end result, which is I'm in the gym or I'm doing my workout, this is where I am for the next 45 minutes or I'm there for the next hour. You see extremely busy C- CEOs of companies that they'll have a schedule. And the first thing that when something changes, they'll cross out their workout and move something into into that time. No. You got if that's in your schedule, that becomes part of your schedule. If you're gonna move it from your schedule, you have to move it to a time and not move it to the next then move it to the next day. People work so hard to be successful, okay? Where they can enjoy enjoy the finer things in life, enjoy whatever they want to do, okay? But you've worked so hard, you haven't taken care of yourself on the health wise You're not around to enjoy it. Somebody else is enjoying all the hard work and the time that the, the time that you put in, or you're at a place in your you're at a and stage in your life now where you're not healthy enough to enjoy all the different things that you worked so hard for when you were much younger.
0: Yeah, there's that old saying goes something like, uh, when when men are young, they work, they lose their health to get wealth, and then when they're old, they use their wealth to regain their health. You might as well just keep healthy the whole time, and you know, it reminded me you're talking about this this uh, consistency. Bruce Lee said, "I don't fear the man who practices a thousand kicks. I fear the man who practices one kick a day for a thousand days." So it's just that that consistent level. Uh, Now, let's talk about the greats that you, have one of the few people who have been literally in there with them, in with championships, and you know the, the real stories. What are the stories that illustrate, or some of the ones, I know some are private you can't share, but the ones you can share, but maybe you haven't shared too often, a great story about a Michael Jordan, a Kobe Bryant, a Charles Barkley, a Dwayne Wade that shows you this guy was a cleaner. There's these three levels uh, that you talk about, you know, and the the, the lowest level, the mid-level, but this high-level cleaner, the guy who just is always in the championship mode. What really, just practical story that you were like, wow, Jordan uh, epitomized this, or Kobe epitomized this? Can you think of any?
1: Oh, sure, you know what, I, I used to, it's funny, most athletes or most individuals, okay, they don't start thinking of work or their job until they until they get there, okay. The people that are these cleaners that are in the zone, all right, they start thinking about it and they start to prepare the minute they the minute they get up. So when Michael when he got up that that morning, like right, he was already in. Game mode. He was already in the zone for whatever competitor he had to face later on that afternoon or later on into that evening. So his preparation started then. It may be not his physical preparation, it was the mental prepar it was the mental preparation, blocking all the other distractions up, blocking all the other distractions out. You know, being like that obviously is difficult on the individuals around you right? but in order to be that successful, to be that great, that unstoppable at something, that's the mindset that you have that you have to have. And things around you do have a tendency to suffer or have a tendency oftentimes to get pushed to push to the side. So it's that ability to come in ready when the as soon as you get out of bed and you don't exhale and until the moment is over and then when you do exhale it's strictly just for one breath because you next thing is coming all these special that's what all these special individuals have I mean we talk about um, you look at Michael he he would always say listen I, I'm not coming down to your level. Everyone else has to come up to my level. Now, that doesn't mean you're all going to play basketball like my, like Michael Jordan. There, you know, there's professional players that are never going to play at that, at that level, and they're on the elite elite. But everybody has the ability to raise their game, raise, elevate their mental process. And if you can elevate your mental process, you elevate your uh you elevate your physical process and he just it was funny he would walk into different he would walk into the opponent's locker room just to just so they would it's like an intimidate an intimidation <laughs> factor intimidation factor you know there's certain kinds of music that people listen to i mean you'll see yeah you can see these videos on um youtube you know you'll see a lot of times when um Players are walking into an arena or down the uh, hallway. They'll have a mascot that's kind of just standing off to the side in the corner, and they'll jump up to try to scare to scare the ad, to scare the athlete. I mean, you could find so many videos where this has happened with Kobe Bryant, and Kobe doesn't even flinch. I mean, he's so locked into what he ha- what he has to do. The the moment that's about to come in front of him and the moment that's past him and the moment he's in right now, that he's he's totally unaware of what's going around, around him. I talked about this earlier about the zone. You know, we've all gone into different types of meetings, different types of events, and you go out and you end up closing this huge deal or you end up coming out with this result and somebody will ask you, you know, How'd you do it? And you go, I don't know. You really don't know because you were in such a zone where for that small opportunity where you were actually controlling time, where things were moving so slow, everything was around you. Everybody else sees it moving so fast, but you saw everything moving so slow. You saw every uh, detail that was going on, and that's what these greats do when we say pay attention to the small details, for the closers and the coolers, they have to pay attention to the small details. For the clean, for the cleaners, there's no such thing as the small detail. It's all the same. Whether it's a large detail, whether it's a small detail, it's all the details that fit into that puzzle to get that outcome that they desire. What What's
0: the craziest thing Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, uh, Dwayne Wade, Charles Barkley, craziest thing they ever said to you that just caught you off guard when they said it?
1: Um, what was the craziest... It could be oh, Dark you know, Side. Craziest, okay. um, you know, it was funny. I was, um, it was, uh, Michael and I, Michael always said that, uh, you know, since my my background was more in science and physiology, that I would always mess up counting counting the reps. You know, I, I he, he would he would be he would be at six, and I would be at three. And I always used to tell him, I said, "Well, whoever got the lowest number on the reps, they're the ones that's got the has got the right has got the right count." And, and I told Michael, I said, "Michael, you know what?" I said, "You know, let's try this." I said, "Let's go, let's count One, two, three. He goes, "No, I don't count one, two, three. I said, you don't count one, two, three. He goes, no, I count one million, two million, three million, <laughs> four million. He goes, he goes, that that that's how I count. I, after that, I really couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't say, I couldn't say anything after that. With uh-huh. with Kobe, Kobe really didn't say a whole lot when he was work, when he was when he was working out. He wanted to know he wanted to know what the detail plan was for that particular day. He wanted to know what each movement was for, and why, and why we were why we were why we were doing that that particular particular movement. And he, when it was done, it, it was pretty it was pretty much done. I was at, he "Kobe doesn't have Kobe is not." It's funny when he's when he's focused in on his work, when he's focused in on his training. He's not a—he's he, not a very talkative or humorous individual. When he's relaxed, when he, when he's relaxed a little bit on his own, you get to see a little bit of, of his of his joyful side. But even with his joyful side, it, there, there's a big point that comes with it that if you're not if you're not focused in on what his goals are, okay, you don't need to be involved in this conversation.
0: What's the darkest thing you ever saw that you can, you know, without betraying their confidence? Things that that, that just struck you at, wow, Jordan has a dark side. Kobe has a dark side. Barkley has but, one.
1: Dwayne. You know, it. That, you know, each one, each individual, has had moments in their lives where they have had to deal with, you know, a very big traction In their family and off the court, off their field, and the way they were able to elevate and and continue to perform at a higher, if not even highest level, during that time, is a credit to their mental toughness and ability. All these individuals, they knew that no matter what distractions. That came on to them, whether it be personal, business, financial, off the playing area. They still had a responsibility to themselves, to the team, to the organization, to the owners, to their sponsors, and mostly to their fans to go out and perform as though nothing else matters at that particular moment, because right? they know sometimes that this may be the only opportunity a fan may ever get a chance to see them perform, so they don't want to let those individuals down and If you notice, you know Michael <laughs> these days, you know players are sitting out games because you know the the team is telling them. They're, they're tired or they've done some kind of a uh, measurement system that's saying hey you need to sit you need to sit out this game you got individuals with the, with the old school mentality that we still have an obligation to the fans to perform at an extremely high level and we're not we're not we're not going to we're not going to sit out because they feel it it's the old adage that if you're not working on your craft Somebody else is, and they're gonna they're gonna pass me up. So they feel like if they're not being sharp and out there performing for themselves for their fans, that there's another individual that is out there that's gonna steal that that's gonna steal that thunder from them. And that's that is dark side of these that's the dark side of these individuals to always want to one up, to be to be better. To be able to show, no matter what's thrown at them, I can still perform at the highest, highest level. And then once I step off the ba- basketball court, step off the football field, whatever it may be, be, I can deal with these. I can deal with these personal issues because they know every individual has to deal with their personal issues. These players, as athletes, at least get a chance to step away from it. For about three to four hours out of that day during a particular a game, uh, most individuals don't get the opportunity to do that. They have to go to work and they have to go home, so there's not there's not an outlet for them to do to take them away for this particular amount of time.
0: You know, it's uh, Michael Jordan's competitive side. Uh, there was. When Michael Jordan was still, he was playing for the Bulls. It wasn't quite as famous as he ended up becoming. Uh, I think it was Charles Oakley or one of his teammates beat him at ping pong. Michael Jordan had a townhouse. He he never believed in spending money before he had it, so he just had a nice townhouse, and in the basement he put a ping pong table, and one of the other Mm -hmm. Bulls players beat Jordan. And they said, that is a huge mistake because Jordan then bought his own – Ping-pong table and practice till nobody could beat him. So he had that, like, beat you at everything. But one of the greatest stories I've ever heard in sports of the, not the dark side of Jordan, but this amazing side off the court there. Uh, He didn't sign many autographs. He didn't want to be distracted before games, but he would make time for people with special needs, handicapped. And they said, one of the Bulls said that a kid came in before the game and uh the kid's father had was an abusive drunk and had set his own kid on fire so this kid basically his face had almost like melted off and he said Jordan just took him in and and just was like hey man and just became the nicest guy there and then he took him out and he said okay the game's starting you could come sit out here on the bench and so the kid comes out there of course this kid looks is very You know, when you look at this kid, it was very traumatic to see what had happened to him. So all the Bulls players were just looking at him like, I don't know if you're allowed to do this, but they said some of them said they were in tears that Jordan was so nice to this kid. Sat him down there in the game, and when he was playing, running back and forth, he would look at the kid after he scored and said, that one was for you. And after a little bit, one of the refs came and said, you cannot have a kid like this on the bench. It's distracting. And Jordan looked at the ref. He said, if you do anything to that kid, I will get you thrown out of the league, and I will walk off this court right now, and everybody shut up. And so Jordan, for all these dark sides that people have, Bill Gates, you know, competitive, did all kinds of stuff, maybe antitrust, I mean, controversial, but but look at the man who's changing the world, getting rid of malaria. So I tell people, don't be too quick to judge until you can show me in your life the amazing things that you're doing. So let, let's switch here for a second. Let's talk. You are somebody. Let me just add one
1: point. Let me just add, oh. one, point. Yeah, yeah. Me just add one point to that. Before every game, preseason, in-season playoff throughout his whole career, basketball and in baseball, Michael saw, home or away, saw a special needs individual either before or after the game. Yeah. Every single game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He, he's a, like like you say I love I mean your book is really. I, I don't I'm a little bit like Jordan. I don't give out too many compliments, but it's just a powerful book on this dark side, light side that we all Mark Twain said every person's like the moon. We have our dark side. But you know, I saw this recent video of Jordan that just cracked me up. Uh, he's older now, got a little bit of a pot belly. He's playing basketball at a—I forget which football player's uh, house. On just a Tom uh, Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. And so one of the guys yeah. was talking crap to him, and Jordan just said, "Whose shoes are you wearing?" <laughs> and, you know, and the guy said, "Jordan's." He's like, "You can't talk trash to a man when you're wearing another man's clothing." I thought that was the best line to shut anybody <laughs> up. Well, Tim, this has been amazing. I hope uh, we can meet up soon. Uh, for everyone listening, make sure you go out, you grab a copy of Relentless: From Good to Great to Unstoppable. Uh, look at Tim's other book, Jump Attack, is a great one with practical exercises you can do. This book is a Relentless is a mental exercise book. You could say it's personal training for your brain. Uh, Tim, it's been an honor. I know you've trained the greats, and uh, thank you for every you know training everybody listening. You couldn't you couldn't have gotten everybody here a, a more of an icon when it comes to training and peak performance. So thanks so much, Tim.
1: Thank you very much for taking time out of your day. I really appreciate it. And make continue sure continue success what, to you and everybody in there.
0: What's the best way if people want to follow your stuff? Go to your obviously you can get your book on Amazon. You've got is it attackathletics.com.
1: Uh, The website is attackathletics.com. Our Twitter and Instagram is at at attackathletics. The book is available at Amazon, iTunes, Barnes and Noble. It's available everywhere Uh, and and, all. Yeah. So, and, and you know, pick up the pick up the book. It'll definitely give you a different perspective of how you're thinking and what you're feeling and. You know, it, it, it's a lot of the things that we talk about, it, it, it's, already, it, it's already inside of you. The person that's holding you back usually is yourself. You, you're the person that builds that wall, so you're the only person that can come through
0: it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Deb. Take care.